to Crosstown. And I got to be honest with you, I'm really surprised you're here. You know, this was, if you ever needed a day where you could make the excuse that you could stay home, just stay in bed, turn on that big screen TV and just stream us live into your home, um, this was the day, you know? So we're talking about being uncommon and you've already established that right up front because if I wasn't Pastor Paul, I'm just being honest with you, I might be reclining Paul today right now in my chair and watching this online. But God is calling us to something uncommon. And in this series, this series is a little bit different. It's gonna be eight weeks long. We have designed our small groups around it. We have written a devotion for it. We have made videos for it. Uh, this, this idea, this message is so important that we wanted to create an immersive study about this concept of uncommon. This is something that God gave to Crosstown. It was written here, it was made here, it was turned into a book here because it's something that means a lot to what God has done to us here. So we encourage you, pick up a book, they're $10. If you don't have $10, just grab a book. It doesn't matter to us. We have small groups that you can sign up for. We have little reminders so that over the next eight weeks, that will remind you of where God has taken you in your life. So we encourage you, be immersed in what's happening over the next eight weeks. So why uncommon? Um, because I, I've been around on the planet enough to see that certain methodologies and ideas are implemented to try to change humanity. Uh, and, and seeing that we tend to have all the same kind of problems and we repeat the same kind of problems in our first marriage, in our second marriage, in our third marriage, we tend to all kind of struggle with the same addiction, same kind of materials, same stuff seems to get us. There's maybe like four different things that gets us like anger, sex, pride, depression. You know, I mean, we all kind of deal with that. And, and then we all reach to the same kind of um, bottled solutions. And, you know, we try to implement them. We try to lose weight to feel better about ourselves. And then after we lose five pounds or 15 pounds, we find out that we're just, just as mean a person as we were before when we had the five pounds. I always think that's so funny. I come from addictive personality. Drugs, I uh, wasn't so much an alcohol, didn't get me high enough, but drugs were really my thing. Um, but I always thought it was funny when somebody went to AA or NA that they would study to you know, work really hard to get off of alcohol. And then after they found out that they were off of alcohol, they put they discovered that they were a jerk. And that's probably why they ended up on alcohol to start with. So the funny thing is, is that we implement all these processes of change, which are good, but find out that we're still, we're still common when it's all said and done with. 15 pounds lighter you will probably still have the same marriage that you are having right now. Um, you with a degree will probably be you just as you are right now, but with a little bit more education behind it. You making a little bit more money, um, that will, you'll probably be the same kind of person in the middle of it. And so in the middle of this journey of life, it was like, I'm just kind of fed up with the commonality. You know, there are some things we have in common, like gravity, you know, everything falls at 9.8 meters per second squared. It's like, okay, we got that in common. But isn't there something about about Jesus and about resurrection from the dead and God that's supposed to produce some sort of um, differentness to us? And are we supposed to be uncommon in a, in a way? And, and that part of the, 
of our faith kind of like constantly is calling to me. We, we settle for our marriage experiences to be different, but they, they turn out to not be different. We settle for common outcomes of families, mothers against daughters, fathers, you know, sons hating their fathers. It's, it's a real common story. People will come and meet with me for counseling and they'll say, listen, you've probably never heard this before. I'm like, oh, believe me. I've heard it before. It's like, there is nothing that isn't common to all men. And, and, and being broken and being weird and, and all those things, they're so common around. Um, we're common about the way that we resolve conflicts. We do things in a very common way. Or we accept the mentality that this is just the way it is. You know, you may be in a marriage right now. You're 35 years into it. And... Everybody else is like, what? You've been married for 35 years? That's awesome. But you're in that 35-year marriage, and you're kind of like, yeah, we're just killing out the clock here. Uh, you know, for the kids' sake, we're just going to finish it out. That is a very common narrative in life. So um, that just doesn't sat- seem to satisfy my soul any. And then we, we decided, okay. Let's add God to the equation. So that will make it all better. So we uh, sprinkle a little bit of God over here and a little bit of God there. Uh, maybe an occasional Sunday attendance. Maybe we'll give to, you know, some mission thing over here. And then we, we, we say, okay, we go to heaven and uh, we want to go to heaven. That's a great thing. But we don't change anything about the status quo of our lives. Uh, we just expect God to be amazing. And then as from a point, we expect our lives to be amazing. And then six months later, you tried Christianity. I read through the Bible three times. It didn't do nothing for me. You know, I tried Christianity. It didn't work. It's not real. And it's like, I've heard that story. That is so common. Um, it's not that Christianity has been found wrong. It's, it's just that it hasn't been tried the way and lived out the way that God has called it to be. And so we sprinkle God and try to maintain our status quo at the same time. Um, how this looks in my own personal life is uh, I'll pray, God, give me a job. Give me a new job. No, I'm not looking for a new job now. But, but give me a new job. But uh, don't ask for my money. It's like, I don't believe, you know, I don't want, don't talk to me about tithing on Sunday morning or don't talk about helping people or anything like that. But I do want you to help me find a job. Uh, or... Um, God, I really want you to help me with my back. Make my back feel better. God, if you love me, just help my back. I was like, okay. And he said, but don't mess with my sex. I want to have sex the way that I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. I want you to stay out of the sexuality thing. I want you to be in the back healing industry, but leave my sex stuff alone. Uh, I, I, I don't want any part of that. Or God, change our nation but leave my civil liberties alone. I mean, we saw this really with the masking. Uh, that was really interesting to find out uh, how Christians responded to things. I'm not stating whether masks were right or not, vaccines or not, but it was really interesting that we got really angry and it didn't matter who we were. You know, I, 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 I thought it was funny. I was walking through Walmart the other day and there was three guys uh, at Walmart and they all had uh, their... Uh, nine millimeters in their holster, you know, and, um, you know, open carry. And, you know, I've got my concealed weapons permit, and I've, I'm, I'm, 
I like guns, you know, I'm not here to wipe out guns or anything like that, but I, I thought it was interesting that they loved it, just having the, the, the status quo weapon on their, their hip and decided to walk through Walmart to let them know, I'm not here to cause any trouble, but I want to let you know if we're going to have any trouble, I'm ready to bring it down. Instead of being maybe uncommon and walking into Walmart and say, hey, listen, I'm here to bring peace. I'm here to let you know if we have a conflict, we'll resolve it. Nobody's going to shoot each other. But it's so commonplace that we're wearing our feelings and our political views and our attitudes like holsters. And the moment somebody offends us, we're quick drawing down on everybody. But we want God to heal our nation. We want God to stop abortion. But we don't want to foster care. Don't ask me to adopt. Or don't ask me to give money to people who are adopting. But we don't like abortion. And, and, and guys, I think we've looked at this. And that's, it's so common. It's so common to have that, that attitude. To point out what's wrong with America. But yet, ask God to protect your civil liberties at the same time. So God spoke to me about how I have been settling in my life. And I do it too. I mean, I've been a Christian now 30, um, umpteen years or something like that. And, and it's easy as a pastor to be status quo. I mean, it's easier for me to be blah than you. I mean, because my Christian life is on a calendar. I got to do Christmas. Then I got to do Lent. And then Ash Wednesday. And then I got to do Easter. And then I got to... Then I got to do the summer series. You know, I got to write a series that's fun about movies or something. You know, a night at the movies series. And, and then I got to do back to school. And we got to do seven days of prayer twice a year. And, we gotta, and for me, that turns into a giant rut. Nothing transformative becomes very common. And a lot of you are, have experienced when church just becomes, yeah just becomes common in your life. So God really challenged me about my attitude because none of those things are wrong. I mean, none of them are wrong. And for the most part, they, they're pretty good. But he prompted me about, about my attitudes. But he, he talked to me about my birds. I love birds. I live in a neighborhood that is, is semi-developed. Um, it's, so it's kind of got woods and dirt road and marsh and all the other stuff. So, so we get a lot of birds. Love birds. They're so cool. Spend way too much money on feeding birds. But I, we, we have birds. Um, and the reason why I like birds, I don't know if you get into birds once you're over 50 or something. Um, I, don't, I don't know, like sports end. All right, let's go buy a birdcage. You know, you just get into it. Uh, so, I, so I'm into birds and I like the birds. But one of the things I like about the birds is because you can do birds on your own terms. Um, I determine the food, and I determine, and the food determines the type of birds. Now, there's, there's a bird feeder right there. That bird feeder is designed with a certain size hole and a certain size seed that is being used that mostly only finches like. So that, fur, that thing is like, wow, he loves birds. It's like, no, I, I love finches. Those holes are too small for cardinals. A woodpecker pops up next to that thing and tries to get food out of it, he's going to end up with like a bruised skull. I mean, he's going, bah, 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 and he's not going to get into that thing because I don't want woodpeckers. They're not cute. I want the cute little yellow ones that come to my house. And so I determine the food. My, my, I control the whole thing, and the birds come, and so I have one feeder that does uh, painted bunting, 
and I have another one for finches, and uh, what falls from the ground goes down, and that's where all the doves go. So I, I control the birds, and in my mind, those are my birds. I hate to say this, because my neighbors may be listening, uh, but they have bird feeders. And I'll, not that I'm out there with binoculars looking, but I'll check to see. I might have looked once or twice <laughs> to see if they're staying up with their bird food. And it'll be like, uh, all of a sudden, you see the bird feeder filled up, and I'm like, honey, I got to go to Wild Birds. Why? He's like, man, they put, they put out the millet, the good stuff. They put out the good stuff. And so I got to get the good stuff. It's like, just go to Tractor Supply. No, no, that's not good stuff. You got to get from Wild Birds. And, and you know, you'll pay $60 for a bag of millet. You know, good luck, the poor. You know, it's like, I'm feeding my birds. And it's like, it's crazy, isn't it? But here's the thing. What God showed me is I treat him just like I treat the birds. Um, it's like, God, come to my feeder. And I only want a certain God to come to my feeder, don't I? I want the nice Jesus God. It's kind of like Talladega Nights. Would love to use the video. Can't use the video. I had to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> and you know, for me, that's hard to do. But I had to draw baby Jesus, teenager Jesus. But it was kind of like, we want a certain Jesus, a certain God to come to our feeder. And so we make the hole a certain size and we make the feeder the certain size and we want the God that we want. We want him to come to our feeder and, uh, and then we, we, we'll have our coffee and we'll have our frothed milk, got one of those things this year. Uh, we'll froth our milk. And as long as I'm sitting there with my coffee, just drinking it and looking at the birds going, and then when I'm out of coffee, okay, shoo, shoo. I'm done with the birds. I go get ready for work and I leave. It's kind of like the birds come, the birds go. I determine what kind of birds. I determine how long I look at the birds. And God was like, you do that with me. You determine what you'll listen to me about. You determine how often you'll meet with me. And then you'll just shoo me. And I noticed something that's interesting about the birds. There's this delusion in my mind that they're my birds. You know, when they come to it's like, oh, those are my birds. And it's like, no, every one of those birds, they kind of like will grab something, they'll look at me. Like, I know what they're thinking. It's like, you know you're an idiot, right? You just, you just throw them food away, right? You know, so, but, and I'll, they'll take the food. And then all of a sudden, what do they do? They take the food and they fly back out into the woods. And I'll watch them. They'll just fly, 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 and then into the woods. They remind me every time they leave the feeder, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not yours. It's like, and God was like, listen, I don't come to the feeder so that you can own me. I come to the feeder so that you can discover me and then follow me into the woods, into the uncommon. And when Jesus comes to the earth and he reveals himself, he doesn't reveal himself so that he can be common just like us, so that we can just say, hey, oh, look at Jesus just like us. I'll just stay like us. It's like, no, Jesus came and said, that uh, I've called you so that you may be where I am going. So I want God to come to my feeder, come to my need, come to my unmet desire. Make me feel like I have you. But God doesn't ask us to join, uh, ask me to let me, him join me. He invites me to join him in his world. He calls me to fly into the woods, to live the uncommon life. And so Jesus makes a statement that really defines this, very clear. And it should be troublesome to you. This verse is not going to make you feel good. I'm going to have to tell you, this whole series isn't going to make you feel good. 
because it's going to cause call you away from your deck, from your feeder. And it's going to call you into uncommon ground. Um, it's going to challenge the common ground of your life. But what I want you to see is that the Jesus that lands at your bird feeder, this is, this is his attitude. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, when I read that, it bothers me because he makes the statement, I chose you out of the world. I want a Jesus that gives me the world. That makes me feel comfortable in the world. And Jesus said, hey, I chose you out of the world. This is not about making an eternal feeder or make your feeder nicer. This is about meeting with me and then beginning, beginning to live a different kind of life. Out of the world, not of the world. Following him. See, we've been asking God to change his status quo so that we don't have to change ours. Almost all the books that are being written about Jesus today, unequivocally, that Jesus have been written about, uh, the books that have been written are about a new kind of Jesus. We want to repackage Jesus so that it's, um, that he's a beautiful finch at our feeders. So we're, we're kind of like, we're creating new theologies. Not biblical theologies. Matter of fact, we're, we've outgrown antiquated concepts of God. We are now creating this universal Christ mentality. And what we're doing is, is we're trying to shape it so that we have a God at our feeder that doesn't require anything about us, that we could cage him and that, that we can feel comfortable being us and in the world because we love the world. It is my biggest struggle. I love the world. I now know it. I didn't always know it. It took my back injury for me to discover. I love the world. I love playing sports. I love technology. I love fast cars. Um, I love getting along with people. I love sports. I love somebody else telling me how I'm supposed to live my life. Um, I love, I mean, I do. I just, I love America. I love, I love all of it. And then Jesus comes along and says, you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. That should disturb you. Because I thought he was just coming to give me heaven and the world I already have, or more of the world that I have, or better upgrades of the world that I have. And he's like, no, I'm, I've, that's, that's not what I've called you to do. God asked me this, and I'm going to use a lot of phrases where I say, well, God spoke to me. In the first service, I told everybody, listen, don't think I'm weird um, because God does talk to me. Now, not in an audible voice, but in a way that speaks to my soul louder than an audible voice. I've had a lot of people tell me not to do something, and I do it anyway. But when God speaks to my soul, it seems to get my attention. So don't think I'm weird. But somebody grabbed me after the service and said, listen, I've got to be honest with you, Paul. If I had a pastor who didn't say that he talked to God, I would think that was weird. So, um, but it's not because I'm a pastor. 
Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. So it, I know that sounds uncommon, but that's what it is. God wants to speak to us. So God put his finger on, on me. And he said, he said this to me, Paul, or he asked me, are you of me? I'm mean, like, are you of me? I'm like, can you imagine somebody, sounds like something out of the 70s. Hey man, what are you of? You know, what are you of, man? And it's like, or today they would say, hey dude, what are you about? What you all about? You know, it's like, but it's not what are you about? It's what, what are you of? Have you asked yourself your question, a question, what are you of? I mean, what is it? If we cut you open, I mean, deep into the soul, what is the substance of you? What are you? Because I'm a lot of things. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a sorry Patriots fan. Um, uh, I'm, an, I'm a guy. I'm white. Um, I'm from the North, but I love the South. Um, I mean, I'm a father. I'm a, uh, I'm a husband. I, I'm a lot of things, but God was asking me, what are you of? It's like, what are you made out of? And that's like, that's a really intense question. What is the substance? What are you made of? What is, what is, what is your stuff? What is your status quo? When we get down to it, what are you of? Let me show you in a way that doesn't involve birds. Maybe this kind of philosophically will, will make it uh, clear. Uh, here's, here's, through, here's three um, ways of being of, or these represent three status quos. Okay, here's a biological rep, a status quo. When it comes to created, non-created things, God is on one side, uncreated, and then all the other stuff is created. Well, in, the list of, in that way of status quo, of aligning things biologically, we are called homo sapiens, or you could call us mammals. That's, and so for some of us, we are operating on God is God, and we are homo sapiens, or we are mammals. And we are part of a biological chain or whatever, whatever, we're part of this group over here of the created group. And so for some of us, that is the status quo we operate off of. That's it. I am of that. And we never go any further than that. Then there may be, you're part of another of category, and that is, well, I believe man is created in the image of God. So we are still on the created side, but when it comes to God, we are on that side, or we are at the top of the food chain, or we are the enlightened um, mammals on the planet, so that there is a part of us that is, that is God, with God in one category, but yet in imagery, but still with the fish and, the, and all the other things that are on the planet. And so for some of us, that's, we operate in that status quo. That's why we eat turkeys, and we don't eat humans, um, because we're, 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 we're mankind. So we use another nomenclature. We call ourselves mankind here. Over in this category, we call ourselves mammals or homo sapiens. Um, but then there's another one through Jesus. Jesus said, I came that you would not be in the world, that you would be in the world, but not of the world. Substantially that we would be different. We're in this category when we are Christians, that we are still part of the created order of things, but we are unseparated in the order of God, that we are now called children of God. So yes, technically you could say I'm a homo sapien and I'm a mammal. 
I don't like it, but go ahead and call me it. That's all right. You could also tell me that, you know, well, you're a mankind in the image of God, and that's pretty cool, and treat all the other people as, as image bearers. But in Christ, we are called to be of God, not just of biology, not just of order, but also to be of God. The problem is, is right now in our society, we are defining human behavior based upon this status quo. You know, we're justifying human behavior by, well, we have studied the apes. I don't care if you're an evolutionist or not. I'm not, I'm really, that's not, I'm not here to argue about how that. I know it's God, and I know it's created stuff. How the created stuff got here, I'm not here to argue about that at all. I don't care. Process or poof, it's still God, okay? But we were never to classify ourselves as mammals or homo sapiens alone. We are invited through Jesus to be the sons and the daughters of the living God. But that was supposed to be our status quo. That means if you don't believe in God, then you keep running your marriage like a homo sapien. You work with that. Go with that. You can have a homo sapien uh, relationship with, with whomever or whatever. But when you're in Christ, you are called to be of God. Your status quo changes. So it's no longer, Pastor Paul, can I do this, 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 this? It's like, no, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. But do you want to be of God? Yeah. Okay, well, then, then there's an of God of how, it's like how husbands talk to their wives, you know? Uh, can a man hit a woman? Yeah, in that category. Swing away. Uh, there's no order, Okay. In this order, okay, we want to slow that, slow that backhand down. In this order, don't you dare, you know? Turn the other cheek. Love, lay down your wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and die for her. It's like, that's not, that didn't come from there. And I also had ladies where you hear something like in the Bible, it said, uh, ladies, um, honor your husbands, and some of you are, and I won't use the submit word, because we'll use a better word, because you don't like the bird that flies to that feeder. So we'll use to honor your husband. That's, that's, not the, that's not the ethic of that world. But honoring one another, that's very much the honor of that world. It's like husbands, die for your wives. And, and wives, while he's trying to die for you, honor him in that. Lift him up, strengthen him, enable him. But that's not part of that. So you've got to ask yourselves, as you're hearing, I know you're sitting in a church. We're all in the world. But what we're of is totally different across the board here. Some of us are a little bit more of that, some of that, but we're all being called to all of that, to be a child of God. You see, Jesus wasn't, just a good Jew. Um, he wasn't just a better version of a common Jew. He brought us the uncommon. It was different. It stood out. It was uncommon. He was an expose of uncommon. And I, and I just saw like three things that he was 
uh, uncommon about. He had uncommon compassion. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? I think it's great. It's like they're trying to justify their their status quo. This is how we do it around here, Jesus. You're in the South now. That's the way we cook grits, you know, or better yet, this is how we make sweet tea. It's totally different. And uh, Jesus, they kept persisting with Jesus and he straightened up and said to him, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, stooping down, he wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. Why the oldest ones? Because the oldest ones, they were very familiar with their status quo. I'm very familiar with what I do wrong. I don't need a bright light from heaven. I've been walking in status quo for a really long time. And she was left there in the center of the court with Jesus and straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either, go, From now on, sin no more. I love that. Because he says, guilty? Oh yeah, you're guilty. He didn't change the bird feeder, did he? Oh, we don't consider that a sin anymore. So that you can feel good about yourself. It's like, no, no, you're you're wrong. But I want you to, it's time to fly differently. Um, But the way that Jesus responded was, neither do I condemn you. It's like, Wow. See, finding, finding a fault is common. But forgiving one is uncommon. That's really uncommon. Finding a fault is common. See, we actually think we're smart because we find fault in other people. Um, you know, it's kind of like we feel like intellectually or religiously like better. But when you walked in here, you probably found fault. I mean, not in that evil kind of way, but you probably walked in and said, it's pretty dark in here. I don't know why they got it so dark in here. It's like, you know that music's too loud. Uh, it's like, uh, I don't know. I, uh, it's hard to get a cup of coffee around here. I don't, you know, you could have found, you, it's easy for us to find fault. Matter of fact, we feel intellectual, like, like you're smarter than if you find out, oh, pa- that guy, pastor, he's an idiot. Well, I'm just here to tell you, if you have determined that I'm an idiot, that does not make you brilliant, okay? <laughs> It does not make you brilliant. But we think that our position of being able to find fault makes us a better human. No. What you do when you find a fault, that determines whether or not you're uncommon or not. And when this woman was caught in total fault, he didn't say, well, we don't consider that anymore. We brushed that under the, under the carpet or we redefined that. It's like, no, this is not right, but I just want to let you know, the only way you're going to be able to fly right from this point on is to do it in mercy and forgiveness and no condemnation. Jesus had uncommon character. Jesus always went deeper than the religious requirements and the show of rightness that culture had around him. 
Jesus challenged others about it too. I'm gonna read just three quick scriptures and you're gonna see this, this interesting pairing in every one of these verses. It's gonna say, you have heard it said, and you're gonna hear, but I say to you. You have heard it said is going to reveal the status quo, how people normally operate. The, but I say to you is the call of the same people in that status quo to something different. And that's where you are today. We're not here just to point out the status quo. This is, this is a moment. I'm sorry that you got brought here today. But this is, this is your moment when God says, hey, I know your status quo, but I'm calling you to something different. So he goes through these three things that show an uncommon character. He says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. That's common. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in her, with her in his heart. It's like, wow. I thought the common thing is you can look, guys, but just don't touch. Don't flirt, but it's okay. You know, as long as it's on your screen, as long as you don't go to dinner, as long as you don't touch, it's all okay. And Jesus says, yeah, that's usually the common way that we determine morality. He said, but I'm calling you to something uncommon. What are you thinking in your heart? That's uncommon. See, because um, most of the time we, we don't want to get caught committing adultery. But Jesus is concerned about what we're doing in that hotel room. We're on a business trip. That's where you find out, of course, I'm not going to look pornography at my house. I mean, what am I, an idiot? I mean, I know about cookies and, and, and uh, surfing histories, and I know AT&T's keeping track of everything that's going into my house, and, and I know Google's keeping track of all my searches for 10 years. I'm like, I'm not stupid. That doesn't make me uncommon. It just makes me shrewd. But if I'm at a hotel, and all of it's just being pumped into my TV, what do I do then? You know, Jesus is like, yeah, I want, I want you to be uncommon where nobody catches you. That's really different. He says, he goes on, he says, you have heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. He's like, okay, yeah, so we're, we're, we're all about this, eye-to-eye thing, payback. And, and Jesus is like, now we're going to take this in a different direction, in an uncommon direction. He says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, instead of focusing on words like do not kill, do not commit adultery, and an eye for an eye ethic, Jesus focuses on the character of the heart. Why? Because where your heart is, is where your of is. When Jesus says, what are you made of? It's in your heart. That's where there are many a men that will distinguishly look under control, but will rage 
in their hearts to other people. There'll be people that will act like they love everybody, but when you get them, get them away from everybody, all of a sudden, the black jokes start. You know, or the jokes about homosexuals, or the jokes about whatever other jokes there are out there. You know, when nobody else is going to hear, or when we're not gonna get caught. You know, and, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, that's, that's where you find out what you're of, what you're made of. I want you to be of me. I want you to be different. It's interesting, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Anything in there about being the best version of yourself? Absolutely not. I mean, like I said, a 15 pound lighter you is still an angry you or a lustful you or a selfish you or a gossiper you or a jerk you. So what, you've been sober for 30 years, great. Are you still, I wish I could use these words. I, but are you still a jerk? You know, that's the thing. And, and I know what the Bible Belt's about. Bible Belt, everybody pulls their belts in on Sunday and, and we're all, Pastor Paul, how you doing? Hi, you know, all this stuff. It's like, it's, it's like no, it's like, what are you? You know, and, and I really, God's really challenging me about this. About, I'm supposed to be like him. That's the woods I'm supposed to fly in is to be more like Christ, not just be better than you. Jesus had uncommon courage. This is good. He, Jesus walked with courage. It, it takes courage to be uncommon because you're gonna have to have courage to challenge things in your life. You're gonna have to be willing to allow people to talk to you and tell you you're wrong and be okay with it and allow challenge to happen against your life. I welcome challenge. I really do. I mean, if somebody says, if, as long as I don't think the person's trying to kill me, it's like, if somebody's challenging me about something in me, I, I will listen to your argument and consider the possibility you are right. And, but it takes guts to, to allow challenge to happen. It takes guts to challenge things. It takes guts to challenge a friend who's about to tell an off-color joke and say, dude, don't use that word around me. And you say, well, you're gonna lose friends that way. Yeah, you're gonna lose the world that way. You're gonna lose, I'm telling you, you're gonna lose the world. Jesus said, relax, man, they hated me long before they hated you. Would you think they were gonna love you for this? Not that we're being better than them, we just want to be of God. They need us to be of God, not of religion. So we're called to be like him. But we're called to have courage to do it. It takes courage to make a stand. I mean, Jesus is standing in front of Pilate and Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And you know what? I don't know if I'm... If I'm standing there and this guy's about to let me loose, if I just kind of move a little bit on my of Godness, he has the power to let me go. And he looks at him and he says, You know, nah, I would rather be dead and uncommon with God 
than to be alive for one more day and common like you. It's like, wow. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to leave. It's courage to walk away from a situation. It takes courage to say, I can't do this anymore. I can't be a part of this. I can't have this friendship anymore because it's leading me in the wrong direction. See, God is calling us to the uncommon, to live uncommon like him. And, and I just find that my life is just riddled too much with commonness. And I'm not trying to do it so that I, um, nobody will write a bad article about me on the internet. It's not so I can get more people to come to Crosstown. It's because I want to be of God. One of the things I, in that column of Homo sapien, that I love a lot to do, I love cussing. Oh, I love it. There's nothing like a good F-bombing cuss. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I, excuse me if I'm just loving this too much here right there at this moment. I just want to let you know, I love it. And in the, in the homo sapien category, F-bomb away. It's like, yeah, but you F-bomb people? No, I usually don't F-bomb people. You know where God, I, I F-bomb? Is that when you're leaning over that, your engine, and you're messing with that, that manifold thing, and it's got that little screw, and you, you, you loosen the wrench, you do the wrench, and it drops, and you know, you're at... And it didn't come out onto the bottom. And you're like... Fudge, you know, and you're just like, you're just out there with it. Now, I would look around and would be concerned if I was of my neighbors. I would look around and see if my wife heard me if I was of God, of Susan. But because I'm striving to be of God, I'll be. Father, I am so sorry. And, I, and it's like, you're kidding me, right? You're apologizing to God? It's like, yeah, I'm called to be of him. And, and he's here. And so, yeah, that really matters to me. And so I'll, I'll be like, God, I am, I am so sorry. Why? Because I'm, I don't want to do this just for you. I don't want to do it just because Susan will hear me. I don't want to do it just because my neighbors will say, whoa, he, he calls himself a Christian, but he uses the F word. No, I want to be of God. When you punch me, I want to give forgiveness. When you need something, I want to give compassion. When I fail, I want to walk in uncommon forgiveness. And God wants us to be uncommon. He will call you to leave your deck and to fly into the woods. He will call you to love your wife different than your buddies at work love their wives. It will be different. It will be uncommon. Ladies, it will be uncommon for you too. Because when you want to get, I guess they don't call it a party call anymore. I mean, I don't know how old I am, but you used to get on a party line and Five people could be on the phone at the same time. You get your five girlfriends and then you start bashing how stupid your husband is. And then they all give you a piece of advice of the world about what you should do to your husband and what kind of jerk he is. God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm calling you not to be of that anymore. 
I'm, I'm calling you to deal with your husband the way the new status quo of God. He will call you to journey through conflict different. Um, he really will. And let me just tell you, and I gotta say this, there's somebody here that he's trying to save your family. Okay, this isn't about Crosstown. This isn't about the moral majority, left or right. We're fighting for your family, for your marriages. I don't care how your grandfather did it, your father did it, your mother did it. Stop quoting them. Start quoting God. I don't give a flip how Trump did it or Biden does it. Start quoting God. Because you're losing. You're being, oh, I'm in charge. Oh, good, good. You know how common that is? You'll fail just like the other person that was in charge. And I come from a generation of father issues. And I gotta say this about Pop. Pop stopped the status quo of abuse, chauvinism, while he was still alive. And it shifted my life. So I don't quote my stupid father any longer. I quote my redeemed father. And I forgive him for all that stuff out there. But you know what? Some of us are making the same mistakes. We're saying the exact same axioms and deploying the same algorithms that the generation in front of us deployed and we hate them and we're making our kids hate us too. You don't have to raise your hand if I just spoke directly into your life because I think I just spoke into every one of our lives. So what do you recommend we do? We start doing this of God. Daughters who forgive their moms, fathers who forgive their sons, daughters who forgive their dads. I mean, that's uncommon. That's why I have an amazing marriage. Friggin' amazing marriage. Okay, amazing. So you boasting because you're better than me? No. We strive for it to be of God. I'm a guy who's been divorced. 80% of second marriages fail. And the only way I ended up where I'm at right now is because what is of God? I'm an addict in my mind. I love drugs. I'm not taking any. Just want to let you know. I mean, probably even some that I'm supposed to be taking, but I'm not, I'm not taking it. It's common to want to be high. It's uncommon to discover joy, love, and peace in the presence of God and in who he's made you out. That is uncommon. So let me encourage you, wherever you are, um, we're gonna go through having an uncommon family as a parent, having an uncommon marriage, having an un uncommon relationships, how to go through uncommon conflict, and it is going to unworld you because you love your control. And it's gonna ask you to release it. You love your cheeks but it's gonna ask you to turn them. You're gonna love your upper hand, but it's gonna ask you to give it away. Um, this, is, this is big.
this, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm overwhelmed with the enormity of it. What, what would I call this? This is called, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Yeah, let's go with that. I mean, that's, I just made that up. I, that's, 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 let's just, let's go with that. Because that's what God wants. God wants you to have his kingdom. He wants you not just to be a homo sapien anymore or just to be the top of the food chain. He wants you to be of him. He wants your marriage to be of him. Stop looking for a Jesus you, you can agree with. Stop trying to get golden finch Jesus to come to your life. Just ask God to come to your life as he is. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's like, I flew into the woods. I left me behind. This isn't the best version of me. This isn't actualized me. This is not me loving some me. This is no longer me, but now something of God. So self-inventory as we go into communion. Is your marriage uncommon? Now, we, I have, we have problems in our marriage. That's common. You know, that little woman that I'm married to, ooh, she's hard. She's hard. I'm only joking. There ain't a, there ain't a difficult thing about my wife. But we still argue. We still, we still have fights. We still disagree. But in the middle of that common thing that everyone here experiences, we will grab a hold of something uncommon. It's like one thing. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. All right, we can't go to bed until, not we solve the problem, but at least until we forgive each other and reaffirm our love for each other. You know? We have been doing that for 35 years. It works. You wake up every morning that way next to your friend. Instead of waking up in the morning and go, oh yeah, I hate you. That's right. We were fine. That's right. I was about to wish you good morning, but I can't because we're still arguing. You know? Um, do you watch Netflix on Common? That's a big deal. I mean, I'm serious. It, my mind gets affected very much by what I view. And the other day I watched something I shouldn't watch and I'll even tell you what it is and you're going to be like, I can't believe you watched it. It's called The Anatomy of a Scandal uh, on Netflix. Don't write it down, don't go back and watch it. But it was a legal thing about Britain and the Prime Minister. So I had my justification. It's British. Of course I can watch it. It's about legalities and law and I love that stuff. It's like, cool. It's smart. It was borderline pornographic. Used words that I don't even use. And the story premise was all nasty. And after I binge watched it for eight hours, I was like, honey, I gotta go take a shower. I mean, because I just got a nasty funk all over me. And it's like, wow, well, yeah. It's like, yeah, it will affect how you watch Netflix. It will watch, it will handle, it'll challenge about how you handle success. The greatest thing it will handle is how you handle failure. Because that's, that's where I'm, I've got it down. 
is that when you believe in the uncommon love of God, that he really forgives you, that you're a new creation in Christ, and you really buy into that uncommon mercy, it can really change you. That's the only reason why I'm up here today. I am guilty of more things. I have robbed jewelry stores. I, uh, and that's been more than seven years, so they can't get me for it. I mean, I have, I have done, I mean, I used to stay, save the clipping of the jewelry store that I robbed in, in Massachusetts. And, uh, but it's like, well, then why do you feel you can be up there? Uh, it's because I have received uncommon grace. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Though my sins were as red as scarlet, I have been made as white as snow. You know what? Some of you don't buy that for yourself. You believe in heaven. You believe in the cross. But you don't really believe you're forgiven. That God really, really, really loves you. That, and, and it's holding you back. It really is. Some of you here are believing lies that your father spoke over you. He said you were a loser or never would mount to anything. I want to tell you, that's very common language from a father. What's uncommon is when you hear from your heavenly father that I love you right where you are, that I want you to be with me, and I invite you to be like me in all things, and I will give you my word and my peace and my mercy and my, and my wisdom. Let's walk together. I love you right where you are. Man, that's incredible. It's time for us to start believing in that uncommon love of God. So today as we're going to communion, I don't care how messed up you were when you walked in the door, you're probably still messed up. Um, but I want you to know that there's an uncommon mercy in this place, an uncommon compassion in this place. And when that bread is handed out to you, and don't get caught up in the little cup thing. I know it's confusing and... Yeah. You know, but we have to do it because of COVID and stuff like that. But when you finally get the cup and the bread, just realize that it's uncommon that a, that a God would give up his only begotten son so that he could have more sons and daughters who were totally riddled with brokenness. That is uncommon. And you are invited to it. And today we invite you to receive it's uncommon for, for us to ask for the Holy Spirit. It's uncommon for us to gather together. But God is inviting you to the uncommon, to a small group where people strive together to walk in the love of God and the truth of God. So I'm sorry you came to church today. Because today, God signaled to you, it's the end of being of the world. And every one of you will have to make a decision. He's not invited. He's not saying, hey, listen, invite me to your bird feeder. Whenever you need a job, you need your back fixed, or you're having family troubles. No, I'm inviting you to the woods, to the uncommon, to become like Christ in all things. Father, we thank you so much because you loved us so much to just pull the covers from our eyes today to invite us to something better than being a 
well-organized mammal. You've invited us to discover human behavior that does not get its definition from an evolutionary chain. You've invited us to be a part of a family that did not start in chaos, but started in love and belonging and cherishing. So Father God, today I give my life all over again to you through Jesus Christ. Not so that I will go to heaven, but so that you could shape in me the ofness of Jesus, the compassion, the character, courage of God yourself in me so that I can say it's no longer I who lives or the world lives in me but it's Christ who lives in me my hope and your glory we invite you to the bread and the cup of Jesus Jesus